Welcome to Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. We're so glad that you are listening with us today, and we hope that this message is a blessing. It is uh, it's good to see you all today. Good to be here together with you. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Bill Jolly. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are going to be uh, opening up John's Gospel today. So if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in John chapter 10 in the English Standard Version, the ESV. So if you got that, you can go ahead and turn there. We are starting a summer series that will take us all over the Gospels, all over the places where Jesus is talking and teaching, and our series is called Living Like Jesus. Living Like Jesus will be in the Gospels, and we're going to get started today. We're going to be looking at John chapter 10, where Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. And one of, the, one of the great verses of the Bible is John 10, 10, where he says, the thief has come to steal, to kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly, Mark. That's right. I like the, I like the amens. My goal is that when Jeff gets back from his sabbatical, that this church is gonna be like an amening church and you guys are gonna be ready. So can I get an amen? All right, you're already ready. It's gonna be good, good. So uh, if you don't know, our lead pastor, Jeff Martin, has launched out into a time of sabbatical. He uh, is in Israel right now. Love it. And uh, he's there with Lucy. Traveling together really recharges them. And so they're there. You might have picked up a card when you came in that is to remind you to pray for them, to pray that they would rest and recharge, refocus, and be able to come back out of that time of sabbatical uh, ready to go, having just spent a lot of good time with each other, a lot of good time with Jesus. So we're excited. We want to be praying for them through this time of sabbatical. So over the summer, though, we are going to be talking about living like Jesus, and we've got a bunch of great guys from within Redeemer and also from churches around the region who are going to be coming to share with us. So I encourage you, prioritize coming here on Sundays to be part of what we're doing. And uh, if you can't make it, join us on live stream. Good morning, everybody. And uh, you're going to hear about how to live like Jesus. But it all starts with listening. And that's what you're going to see in John chapter 10, that you'll see that phrase that my sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice. They listen. And so we're going to think about that today as we realize that in order to live like Jesus, we have to listen to Jesus. And as we listen to him, we are transformed because there's no one else that has words like Jesus. His disciples, when he said, he said, are you guys gonna bail on me one day? And he said, no, where else can we go? Because you have the words of life. Jesus said that uh, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Actually, the word of God, God spoke and the universe came into existence. That's how powerful his voice is. And so we're gonna talk about today hearing his voice as our good shepherd. And uh, so we're gonna be looking in John chapter 10. And uh, as you're looking through there, as we think about hearing Jesus' voice, I want you to think about all the other voices in your life, whether it's your family, those voices, your friends, your coworkers, your roommates, whether it's things you're getting through, uh, television, podcasts, Netflix, TikTok, YouTube, talk radio, Twitter, Facebook, blogs, musicians, actors, politicians. There's a lot of voices, a lot of noise. But today we're gonna focus in on the one voice 
that matters in this noisy world. And John 10.10 is going to be the heart of what we talk about. So if you want to just look down to that verse, you'll see it says again, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you think about it, I looked it up in a couple other versions. In the New Living Translation, it says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In the message paraphrase, it says, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy, but I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So there's a thief who comes with one purpose, and there's a shepherd who comes with a totally different purpose. And that's what we're going to focus on today. And, and it, it is these, one of these passages that talk a lot about sheep and shepherds, uh, which can be a little weird for us to relate to because not a lot of us have had a lot to do with sheep and shepherds. But I was curious, is there anyone here in the room that actually owns any sheep? Do we have any Sheep owners here in this room. Okay, so not, okay, well, we're all on the same page then. We don't know much about sheep probably, uh, and that's okay. But in this time period, shepherds and sheep were very, very common. Everybody would get it. They would understand it. When, they, when Jesus was talking about sheep and shepherds, it, it resonated with them all through the Bible. It talks about sheep and shepherds, and it's one of the images that God uses to describe himself as a shepherd. And so we're gonna, we're gonna unpack it and look together. Let's start in verse one, though. We're gonna look at the first half of this chapter, just walk through the scripture and see what Jesus has to say to us. So chapter 10, verse one. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, he who does not enter the sheepfold, that's the sheep pen, he who does not enter by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. When, they, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Look at how many times it talks about the voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Stop right there. So Jesus is setting things up. He's talking about this imagery of a, of a and he probably, he was probably walking somewhere where there was literally a, a sheepfold, a sheep pen, and he's got these people following around. He's like, so by the way, here's how this works. There are guys that will try to come in at night, climb in over the back wall to steal, kill, and destroy, to get, to steal these sheep. Those are thieves and robbers, but there is also a real shepherd. And that real shepherd comes to the door and the doorkeeper lets him in because he's the real shepherd. And the sheep hear his voice and they follow him. And so as Jesus is, is sharing this, this with them, it's actually during a, a time of year in the, in the Jewish culture where they would celebrate Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is all about a time when um, in between the end of the Old Testament and the start of the New Testament, there were several hundred years, and things really fell apart. It's in particular the leadership of Israel, they, they compromised, they were self-seeking and self-centered, and um, 
and, and it led to the, the temple ended up being conquered and violated. And it was in a, they were in a pretty bad place during that time until some, some righteous and passionate and apparently very strong guys rose up and they, they cast off the, all these other influences and they rededicated the temple to the worship of God. And that's what Hanukkah is. It's a festival of, of dedication. And so, but during that festival every year, they would read scriptures about bad leaders and a good leader, or bad shepherds and a good shepherd. They would read particularly from Ezekiel 34, a whole chapter that talks about how Israel was, was suffering from its bad leaders. And then the Lord says, I will come and I will be your shepherd. So that festival always, it raised questions of who are our leaders? Do we have good leaders? Are we following the Lord? So that's what the people were reading and thinking about during Hanukkah. And that's when Jesus talks about being the good leader, being the good shepherd, and the sheep hearing his voice. And it's an interesting thing. Um, sheep are often portrayed as being dumb. Do you know why? Because they're dumb <laughs> and they're helpless. And, and you've probably, if you've been around Christianity, you've probably heard a sermon about these poor sheep. The emphasis in this chapter, though, is not, it doesn't go into great detail about the sheep being dumb. It actually, it goes into great detail about there being a very, very good shepherd that loves his sheep, that is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. And then it says this wonderful thing about those sheep. They might not be smart, but they know who to listen to. And you might not be smart, but you can know who to listen to. And as I was studying for this, I came across an interesting story about sheep hearing the voice of their shepherds. And it was actually from the 1980s during the Palestinian uprising in a small village just outside of Bethlehem, the, uh, the armies came in, they, they took over everything, and they actually took all of the livestock from the village and they put all of those animals into one giant field as a punishment to the people that were there. They were really kind of putting them to the screws. And, uh, and one, uh, one single woman, who her, her husband had passed away, she went up to the soldiers and she said, listen, I've got my 25 sheep. You guys took them. They're the only thing that I have. They're my livelihood. And we're not going to make it if, if you guys keep our sheep. And the soldier was like, well, I'm sorry. That's just, you know, that's how it is, you know. And I mean, look, there's like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of animals out there. How are you even going to know which one are your sheep? How can we even trust that? And she said, I'll tell you what, if I can get just my sheep to come with me, can I have them? And the soldier laughed at her. And he said, sure, that's impossible, whatever. And she said, okay, and she called her son over. They were both, they would take care of the sheep, her little son, the shepherd, and he popped out his little flute and he went, doo -doo 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 -doo, or whatever his sound was. And as they looked out in the field of sheep, they saw one of the sheep goes, doo -doo 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 -doo. another head, and they look around. 25 little heads, little sheep heads popped up and they started making their little way over to the shepherd because they knew the sound of their shepherd. And the soldiers were like, dang. <laughs> and they let her have her sheep and she and her, and her son were able to go home because the sheep know, they learn the voice of their shepherd. And so we're gonna be talking about that. We're gonna look at how these sheep, it says over and over again, they hear his voice. They hear the voice of their shepherd. And that's one of the most wonderful things, maybe the most wonderful thing about coming to know Jesus is knowing his voice and hearing his voice. And, and we are able to do that through, as I was thinking about hearing God's voice, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit 
that we are able to hear the voice of our good shepherd. And the Spirit does so many wonderful things in our lives that he opens up our ears to hear Jesus. When you open up your Bible and you begin to read it and suddenly it becomes more than just words on a page and it comes to life and you are hearing God speak to you, that is because of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Psalm 119, verse 18, there's a prayer. It says, open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. When I open up the Bible, I need you to open up my eyes so that I can see the wondrous things that are there. I can hear your voice. The Spirit takes us from a place of being fearful and orphans. It says that he has given us not that spirit, not a spirit of fear, but of love and power and self-control. The Spirit opens up our minds and our hearts to hear God speak to us. But there are things that we can do that are barriers to hearing God's voice. And I wanted to just pause for a minute and just talk about three things that are barriers for us to be able to hear God's voice. The first one would be unaddressed sin. One of the barriers, if you're saying, man, I'm just not hearing from God. I'm not hearing from him. I feel disconnected. I feel distant. One of the, one of the causes of that could, could be that there's unaddressed sin in your life. And I wanna encourage you uh, to take that time uh, to pray with like Psalm uh, 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. See my, if there are any crooked ways within me and lead me in the way everlasting. Because unaddressed sin, it, it can cut you off from being able to hear the voice of God. So that's one thing to think about. Another one would be unobeyed commands. We've got unaddressed sin that can keep us from hearing God's voice. Unobeyed commands. When the Lord has really, he's told you there's something you need to do. You need to go and forgive that person. Uh, the Lord may say, I want you to go and, and, and give, do this generous thing for this person. Um, and go and call this guy up, have some time. Whatever it might be, there can be things that God say, hey, here's your next step. Jesus always gives us a next step. And if we hold off on that, he's okay. He's patient. <laughs> He'll just wait for us to take it. And so it may have been a while. You know, the Lord said, here's what I want you to do. And you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. He'll wait for you. But then when you take that next step and you obey, then the voice of God, it frees that up. And then he tells you the next step. So those are two things, unaddressed sin, unobeyed commands. The last one would be unsubmitted schedules unsubmitted schedules. And that means you do what you wanna do when you wanna do it, and it's all kind of centered around you. And we see, in order to hear God's voice, that it's gonna affect your schedule to be able to take the time in this noisy world with all the other voices and create space for him. And even it says in, uh, I love this, in Psalm 119 as well, it says, I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I wait for your words waiting for God's voice in the morning. Now, the, the, the psalmist has prioritized making space in his schedule to hear from God. We make the space, and then we don't know what he's gonna do, but we make the space. Jesus practiced the same thing in uh, Mark 1.35. It says, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And so Jesus made that space in his life for God's voice, for God to speak. So those are three barriers that you can think about, unaddressed sin, unobeyed commands, and a, an unsubmitted schedule, but what an invitation from the Lord. And you'll hear his voice and it brings life. 
It's the best thing in the whole world to hear from God. So Jesus goes on. Let's keep reading. In, uh, in verse 7, it says, Jesus, because they didn't, they're, still not, they're not getting it. They're as thick-headed as we are. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I'm the door where they come in and out. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Stop there. So Jesus says, this is pretty weird. I am the door of the sheep. <laughs> okay, what's going on there? Well, pro so probably there are two different places where you would keep sheep. One would be near, the, near your home or in town where you'd have a really nice enclosure built that would be tall and you'd have a nice door and you could hire a guy to watch it at night and take care of your sheep. The other, the other place that you might keep your sheep is when you take them out to graze, when you get out outside of town and you would just build kind of a, more of a makeshift sheep pen. Uh, it might have tall bushes or brambles around it and probably wouldn't even have a door. And so what the shepherd would do was bring the sheep, bring them into that sheep pen, and then he would lie down in front of that door or he would sit in front of that door and spend the night in front of them so that nothing got in without going over his dead body kind of thing. And it's an image of a shepherd who is protecting his sheep, who's putting his life on the line for his sheep to protect them. So when he says, I'm the door where you're gonna come in and out, that's probably what Jesus was getting at. He also says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. And he's probably there talking about the religious leaders that had come and had such a powerful influence and their voices were speaking into the lives of the people of Israel and yet they were not leading them to worship God. And he says, those men were thieves and robbers, all who came before me. But when we look at verse 10 and we see this line, this, this is a famous line, uh, and, and he says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So he's talking about bad leaders, but I think he's also talking about the ultimate bad leader. He's talking about Satan. And that is a reality that Jesus wants us to understand that there is a thief that wants to steal and kill and destroy. There's a thief that that's his purpose, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And we experience that. Um, and and we, I think about where um, Peter writes and says that the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so the, the Bible paints a very serious, sobering picture of the spiritual warfare that we are in daily, daily that we're in. And yet, as we consider that, it always shows us that Jesus is the victor. Peter said the devil goes around like a roaring lion. The good news is we have a bigger lion, the lion of Judah, right? We have a bigger lion. And that's what my hope is in, in this life that we're living. And in fact, in, uh, in, in 1 John, John goes on to write that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus, is part of why he came was to destroy those things and to thwart that plan, to thwart what Satan would want to do. And, uh, and he does that 
And we'll see how he does that by laying down his life. But he, he goes on, he says, the thief has come to steal and to kill and destroy. And then he says, but I came, my purpose is to give them life and life more abundant. And when you read about that imagery, that, that idea of Jesus being a shepherd and a good shepherd, one of the places that your mind might quickly go to is Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And if, if you guys were here last week at the baptisms, my son, Asher, who's eight years old, uh, he got baptized and he shared his favorite scripture, which is Psalm 23. And I used to think that Psalm 23 was kind of cheesy because it's crocheted on every pillow in your grandmother's house and you see it on stickers and, and little posters and all that kind of, I was like, ah, Psalm 23, whatever. Until you find yourself in the middle of the night and the arrows are flying and every thought that's hitting your head seems like it's an attack and then suddenly you go to that scripture. That's why when our son, we, were, we taught him that psalm so he could pray it at night when he was trying to go to sleep or if he woke up in the middle of the night. And, and his favorite part is that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And so I wanted to just encourage you. And my wife actually was the one who encouraged me that brought this psalm into my life. And it's a, it's a go-to psalm for me. It is powerful to pray and say, Lord, you are my shepherd, I shall not want. To remember at the very end where he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I would encourage you, when you wake up in the middle of the night or when you're going through something, God has given us Psalm 23 to help us focus our minds and our hearts on who he is as our good shepherd. That's who he is, he's our good shepherd and we can remind ourselves of that and, and I'm so thankful for it. Um, well, he goes on as he, uh, in verse 11, and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, or hireling in the King James Version, I always used to like that. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. He's just making a buck. Stop there, let's talk about that. So Jesus says, there's these thieves and there's robbers. They're not true shepherds. They are hired hands. They're just trying to make a little bit of money. They're not the true shepherd. The true shepherd owns those sheep and he is willing to lay down his life for those sheep. And as, as I read that, it talked about that he owns them, it reminded me of the Heidelberg Catechism from the 1500s. I'm kind of an English dork. I used to teach British literature. I'm all into that. But I don't know if you've ever heard of this thing called the Heidelberg Catechism. It's really, really good, actually. It's like Christianity for dummies. They break everything down into simple questions and simple answers. It's really good. The very first question speaks to this, and it says this, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That's the first question. What's your only comfort in life and in death? That's a great question. What are you most, most taking comfort in? Here's the answer. It says that I am not my own. What's your only comfort in life and in death? That I'm not my own. And he goes on to say, but I belong body and soul in life and in death 
to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair on my head can fall without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Pretty good for something from the 1500s. What's your only comfort in life and in death? That you're not your own. That it's not all up to you. That you're not a sheep that has to save itself and lead itself. Because sheep that try to do that, you know what we call them? Well, you know what the wolves call them? Dinner. (laughs) And it's such good news that you're not your own. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus. You're one of his, and you hear his voice, and you can hear as it goes on. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Let's stop there and talk about that for a minute. So he says, not only are they, they're hearing his voice and he's laying down his life, he says, but I have this, there are other sheep. And we know that the first group of sheep would have been the Jewish nation, ethnically Jewish people, the first group of sheep, but that Jesus is saying, I've got other sheep. Who are those other sheep? Gentiles, which is their word for everybody else. If you're not ethnically Jewish, you're a Gentile. So most of us in this room can be really thankful for this part that Jesus says, I got some other sheep that are also gonna be part of the flock. And as you read that, you think about that is God's heart. It's not just for one particular people group, but it's for the nations. And I love this year. I feel like that in the past 12 months that God has kind of amped up what Redeemer, who we are as a people and the way that we are reaching out to the nations. There's many, many stories. We've got missionaries on the ground in all kinds of different places. We've got people that are leaving out for this summer on summer missions. God is sending people out because that's his heart because Jesus has other sheep and he wants to bring them in to his flock. It even happens here in East Tennessee uh, at ETSU and our other campuses. We have so many international students that God brings the nations here so they can hear the gospel. I love that. And then, so that what that does is it, it teaches us that God is a missionary God, that he's sending people out. It teaches us that his church is multicultural, that it draws people in from all walks of life. And that's my prayer, that we would grow more and more as a missionary church, as a multicultural family right here in East Tennessee. So he says that he uh, has other sheep. He has uh, this other, these other people that he will bring to his flock and that there will be one flock and one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. And one of the things I love about our church is if you say, who's your, who's your senior pastor? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's our senior shepherd here. The rest of us, we are under shepherds. We're assistant shepherds. And I love the fact that Jesus is our shepherd. One of the things about us sitting in the round is I hope that it will remind you that we are centered around Jesus. That, and this is something that Jeff and I talked about numerous times as he was preparing to leave for sabbatical and just didn't say, okay, I, I love this church. I care for it deeply. Uh, and I, I've spent so much of my life, my blood, sweat, and tears, but it's, it's not my church. 
It's Jesus's church. And so I want you to hear that. You know that, that it's not about any personality. It's not about any particular person or group of people. It's, it's about Jesus. This is his church. He's at the center. And we always want to, all of us, bow before him at the center of the church, that there's one flock and one shepherd. Well, here's the end. It says in verse 17, for this reason, the father loves me. And extra, he's got some extra joy in his son. He says, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge, doing this to lay down his life and then take it back up again, I have received from my father. Stop there. This is Jesus talking about his whole purpose in life. The reason that he came was to lay down his life on behalf of us. This is the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. This is the gospel that Jesus Christ came to lay down his life while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us and that then that he didn't stay dead, but that he rose from the grave, that he, did, he gave his life up on his own authority. Remember on the cross, he said, it's finished I commit my spirit to you, God, because he had done it. He had paid. He'd been punished in our place. And then he said, now I'm ready to give my life up. I give it up. Nobody takes it from me. I give it up. And then three days later, that he was resurrected. Unstoppable life. When he said, I've come to give you life, it's the life that was in him that the grave couldn't hold and that he offers that to us. And uh, as you think about that, as you think about the gospel, there are some ways that maybe your mind might go in the wrong direction. Uh, you know, I call them ditches. Uh, there's this middle path that God calls us to, and there's easy ways that we can maybe fall into something that's not as helpful. And, and one of those ways would be to say, oh yeah, Jesus is offering abundant life. Well, of course I deserve abundant life. I'm a pretty good person. I work hard. I've earned it. I've, I need it. I, I should get this abundant life. And especially when I compare myself to others, because I'm not nearly as bad as they are. So I, I think I, I, I deserve, yeah, I should be health, wealth, and everything's good. But that's not the gospel. Because the gospel teaches us that we aren't that good. The gospel teaches us that all of our righteousness, all the good things that we're trying to do, in God's eyes, they're actually really just filthy rags. And that the only righteousness that we can have is that that comes from Jesus because he lived a perfect life. He didn't sin. And then the gospel tells us that he gives us his righteous record and that when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. So that's one ditch that we could fall into to think, oh yeah, you know, of course I, I, I deserve this, I've earned this. And, and you would know that, you'd know that your, kind of, your mind might be in that place when you think about God and you're not, deeply sobered by the reality of your sin. If you don't really feel that weight, man, when I think about my sin, I feel that weight. Um, or I don't find really deep um, heart-melting gladness when I think about what Jesus did on the cross. This, this movement in your own heart that results in worship and results in obedience out of joy to the Lord. If you don't experience those, then you might be in that ditch uh, of thinking, well, I deserve this, but, I, but you're not really aware of who you really are and your need of a shepherd. There's one other, the other ditch would be to say, well, Jesus is, he's supposed to be the good shepherd and he's supposed to offer, he offers abundant life, but I, I've sinned too much. 
There's, there's, I've got too many things that I've done, uh, and, and he really, he couldn't forgive what I've done. And, um, and my sin is too great. It's just too great. There's no way. And this is a serious thing that, that many people wrestle with. They feel like my sin is just too big. But I've got good news for you. You cannot outsin the cross. You cannot outsin the blood of Jesus. There is nothing that you have done, nothing that has stained your life that the blood of Jesus can't cleanse. Is that good news? Amen. Can I get another amen? amen? Come on. We can't deserve it. We can't earn it. He gives it to us. And there is nothing, there is nothing that is bigger than the cross. That is such good news because you can take whatever's going on in your life where you feel the biggest failure, the biggest shortcomings, the biggest sin, the biggest shame, and you can bring that to Jesus. And I promise you, you will experience the power of the cross to affect your heart, to literally take away that burden of that shame and that guilt. And Jesus is the only one. He says, I'm the only, I am the good shepherd. I have laid down my life. You can hear my voice. I'm calling you, come to me and I'll do that for you. He really is a good shepherd. That's the whole point of this sermon today is that you would be stirred up, that your, your hearts and minds would feel and know that he is a good shepherd and you can trust him. You can hear his voice, you can trust him and he will lead you in paths of life everlasting. I wanted to close with this idea. Um, Jesus offered his life for us so that he could offer his life to us. And those are the, that's what I wanted you to remember today, that Jesus offered his life for you on the cross so that he could offer his life to you, that you could have that abundant life because of what he did on the cross. Um, and so I wanted to close with Psalm, uh, not Psalm, but Ezekiel 34. This is what the people were reading in Israel when Jesus spoke this. They were all had their, their, like their Bible reading plan. <laughs> and it was Ezekiel 34 that they would read. And here's what it says. It says, after describing bad shepherds, this is what God says. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to lay down his life for us, to be the good shepherd, and then to take it up again. And, um, and Father, I pray that our hearts, that you would open up our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit to see how good of a shepherd you really are. And that as we have all these other voices and all these other leaders 
that would come and, and try to speak to us and uh, draw us away from your voice, that we would hear your voice, that we would seek you, that we would listen. Um, and we lo- I love that, Lord, that you are the God who speaks. You are the shepherd. And, uh, and so we ask for that, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear your voice. Um, give us hearts that understand that we are not our own, that you have purchased us. We belong to you and we can trust you that we are sheep that really need a shepherd. And, uh, and so I pray for that in our hearts, that this room would just be filled with, uh, with people that are looking to you as the good shepherd. And so we ask this in your name for your glory. Everyone said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in learning more about us, you can check out our social media or website. Grace and peace to you.